You are listening to The Pilgrim on the 405 with Will Christ. Join him as he and his guests discover how businesses thrive in California. Oh, welcome to The Pilgrim on the 405. Uh, we have today a bootstrapping CEO of a great company here in California. This is Julio Monson, and he is the CEO of Monetize More. So welcome, Julio. Great to be here. Thank you, Will. So, so tell us a little bit about, uh, about Monetize More. Monetize More is an ad tech company. So just for people who don't know what that means, <clears throat> um, you ever go on the internet and read literally anything, news, sports, blogs, anything like that? Whenever you're reading and in the middle of your article or content, you see an advertisement um, for that ad to show up for you, a really complicated auction has happened. Our company handles a technology uh, that makes that auction efficient and increases ad revenues for whatever website you're reading in a nutshell. Who do you work with? Do you work with the, the advertising company or do you work with the company that is advertising? We work for the website itself. So uh-huh. if, for example, you're reading, you know, a news article on whatever your favorite news site, our, our clients would be that news site. Uh, and we implement our technology and they bring more, make more money from advertising that way. So how do they do that? How do they make more money? Well, initially what happens is um, typically someone will just start off with Google AdSense, and which is great. It's kind of like a plug and set it and forget it kind of thing. But there's a lot of uh, leaving money on the table once you start getting a lot more traffic and your traffic and your audience starts growing. So then uh, there's a lot more tweaking and optimization and technology that can be uh, implemented so that auction of whatever ads show up on your spots or on your website uh, is more efficient. And more efficient means much more revenue. So that's where we come in. All right. So how did you get started with this? Funny enough, um, I was roommates with my uh, with my uh, business partner now. Um, what happened was initially we went traveling, actually. And it's not like we said, oh, this industry is something we want to be in. Back then, which was when the found- when company was founded over 12 years ago, uh, our motivation was we were traveling and we never wanted to work in an office ever, ever. So we started to think about, okay, how can we make more money so we never have to go into an office? So we looked at uh, search engine optimization, marketing, things that make a website run, hosting, affiliate marketing, et cetera. And then we ran into, oh, advertising. This is how websites make money. So we just kind of started to learn all about that. And um, yeah, that's how we sort of it was a lot less technology back then, so we started learning, and then we picked up a few clients, and it kind of just snowballed from there. Is your company remote right now? Yes, it's always been remote since the beginning. Uh-huh. So uh, the rest of the world's catching up with you now, huh? <laughs> I guess they've been forced to. Yeah, yeah. Well, forced in a number of different ways now. I mean, at, when COVID uh covid becomes endemic and and becomes like the flu it, people aren't going to just w- fill up the offices again right i would say so um if i were to uh if i were to be a, an advisor at these various companies i would say don't do that you're going to lose a lot of talent but maybe i shouldn't say that cuz that that creates a pool for us <laughs> right 
Well, I mean, and, and you know, I, I, I was putting together a, a, a LinkedIn post today about about the changes that are there right now uh, with the great resignation and the big reshuffle and things like that. That's going to cause companies to change the way that they work with folks, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a huge weight. Talent is so important in a company. People are realizing that they can work remotely and that's the way they want to. Uh, companies should be open to the fact, and we've always been open, truly, if someone can customize their ideal work day, they're going to give you the best performance. But if you're old school and you don't recognize that, then you are going to be at a big disadvantage. Yeah. Yeah, and and the real key question for for me that I, I believe people should be asking is asking every employee, what do you love doing? What are you great at? And uh, let's see if we can find a place here where you can do what you love doing rather than what we think you ought to be doing for us. Yeah, I totally agree. And there's got to be a good match and there's got to be mutual trust there, right? Mm -hmm. So that's how we run our business remote. And that's I credit that to a lot to our to our growth. How many people in the organization now? You know, we keep hiring, so I don't know the exact number, but it's around 206, I believe, as of today. And how long did it take you to get there? Uh, we founded the company January 1st, 20, 2010, so 12 years. 12 years. That's a significant growth. Yeah, it's been a fun ride. So what, what have you discovered along the way uh, in... Uh, a virtual company, uh, everybody remote. Now you're at 200. What have you found about how how to maximize the uh, the quality of uh, of 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 life for people in that organization? You know, um, we were asked this question when we were, I think, five years into the company, and <clears throat> we were actually visiting a, a competitor of ours, and we were just kind of catching up and they were asking us what our secret sauce was. Uh, and five years into the business, we didn't really know. We just kind of looked when they asked us, how do you do this? We've seen people who like do the remote and fail and it just, it, it can't work and you need more synergies in the offices and things like that. And we kind of looked at each other to try to answer the question, how we run it so efficiently, how we run it well and how it's worked. And you know, there wasn't even Slack back then. We were like email, Skype, you use everything that you can to be remote, obviously. But then after that meeting, we took it away. We kind of spoke and we realized that our secret sauce uh, is our culture. It's mm -hmm. our company culture. It was from then on out, we kind of just um, make, made sure we protect that and sort of uh, really highlight that because that's really the core of what everything else kind of branches off of. Mm -hmm. So um, it's 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 one where just to answer your question more directly, if you if you give the the um, yeah if you give your team members the ability and trust that they can architect their ideal work, you'll get the most out of them because they feel like well this company is trusting me but but that I can work wherever I want whenever I want take care of my kids or travel to the beach and work on a beach somewhere if I want to so I got to give them my best performance and that's what we've seen over and over. But you have to have the right culture. Well, talk about culture then. What, uh, how, how do you see culture being built in your organization? Yeah, culture is um, something that has to be built over the years and has to be um, lived by example year over year. So 
Um, something that we noticed earlier on is that, uh, you know, you get a lot of these like company culture documents that say teamwork, accountability, and blah, blah, blah. And like, no one really knows what it means and no one really knows how right. to live it or what, right. what the top is expecting of you. And worse, worse even is um, some, some, some companies just don't really live it. It's just something that looks nice on a pitch deck. Being enterprising, uh, being reliable and being, um, always wanting that, always realizing that everything that can be improved deserves to be improved are at the core of our culture. And from day one, or even before day one, even when you're interviewing with us, um, what we've seen over and over again is that candidates understand and see that that is an actual real environment, which is very, very difficult to build in a remote company unless you've been doing this for a decade. Good thing we have. Um, are those your so, core values? Would you say those are your yeah. core values? What yeah, are they again? Exactly. What are they? Reli reliability, being enterprising, which is like an entre entrepreneur within the company, and Kaizen, which is a Japanese term coined by Toyota. Anything that can be improved deserves to be improved. And are you using that to hire people? <clears throat> yeah, um, absolutely. So funny enough, we, we don't care if you've been the best sales guy in the world and you're applying for sales or the best developer right. at Google and wanting to come, come here. Um, the first thing that we go through is a cultural interview. And if you pass that, and only if you pass that, do we start talking about your skills. Are you familiar with the entrepreneurial operating system, EOS? Yeah, we um, use some of those, uh, some of those things uh, within our company. Yeah, because that what you're talking about here is what we in EOS, what we call the right person. Mm -hmm. Right? They fit the culture fit it like a glove, that right culture. And and uh, I would imagine you're using that to hire, to review, to fire, and to celebrate, right? Absolutely. Yes, 100%, 100%. And, and then when you talk about the technical skills, I mean, that's, that's in the right seat, right? So you want to have people, the right people in the right seat. We call that RPRS, right? Person, right seat. Mm -hmm. And and would you what percentage of your two hundred people would you say are right people in the right seat right now for you? I would definitely say, and I can say this honestly, I would definitely say at least ninety percent of them, and the ten percent who aren't are because we just haven't found a promotion for them yet because uh -huh. we're having such aggressive growth. Right. So we sort of need to sit and decide, like, okay. You know, where else should we put them or should they be promoted to leads or VPs or things like that? Or should they be made available to the industry? Huh? <laughs> well, that is the difficult piece, isn't it? Uh, you know, the two, two things that we've disco discovered that are that are difficult issues. One is where you have. Where you have somebody who is, you know, they're. They they just are are a, a wonderful person. They fit your culture like a glove, but they 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 aren't productive. You know they're in the wrong seat. And if if like you said, you have uh, two hundred people, then maybe you can find a place for them where they fit. But you but if you can't, you, you just can't keep people around because you love them, right? That's right. That's and right. on the other hand, Especially. when you have somebody who's you know who is you got somebody who is is really hitting their numbers they're doing everything technically just correct 
but they don't fit your values. They're, they're the right, wrong person. Then you got to do that difficult thing of taking a highly productive person who just doesn't fit your culture and making that change. Because if you don't, they're they're gonna, you know, right now they're in ways that you don't even see. They're chipping away at the at the at the company, and eventually they'll kill you. Yeah, that's true. There's a lot to be aware of on both sides, for sure. Yeah. So, have you had to let somebody go who was who was you know very very productive but didn't have the right value, the right culture? You know, um, we haven't let anybody go. In that scenario, we have moved them, though, um, and given them sort of another shot in other departments. And I think only once did that not work out, actually, mm-hmm. uh, where we had to let them go because they weren't performing. They, they would perform well and then go back to old habits, perform well, then back to old habits. And so there was a pattern. So we had to let But that's go. performing well. I'm thinking, I'm uh, you know, and I appreciate that. Somebody who is do- performing very, very well, but they're not fitting your core values. Have you ever had that experience? Performing really well. I don't think so. It might be just because we, and again, it goes back to that cultural interview we do at the very beginning. So that, that, that the purpose of that is to Mm -hmm. filter people. Mm -hmm. So exactly the scenario that you just asked me doesn't happen. So do Um, you, so do, do you ever evaluate people along the way after they've been hired? Uh, regarding how they're doing with the, you know, their cultural fit. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, oh. yeah, twice a year. Oh, mm-hmm. and and they always pass a hundred percent. I mean, some people no, it, it's not a hundred percent because we have higher expectations of them at right. the longer they're here. Okay, and it's sort of kind of tied into our performance reviews, but it's they, not enough. So we had to so going back to your question, not enough. Not worse, not enough where they're not performing where we have to let them go. Okay. All right. Good. Good, good. All right. So, uh, uh, what else have you learned along the way? You've got a 200 right people, right seats. You have a plan for people when they you know, need to be moved to a different seat. But what other things have you learned? A couple of things. So, um, Keeping it simple, as simple as you possibly can along the way is, is, uh-huh. is very, very valuable. And, and then the other thing would be the only constant is change. That is the only consistent thing. Uh-huh. Um, on the first note, when I say this, I, I just feel like it's just so obvious to me. But for our clients, the most important thing for us is our performance. We're a bootstrap company. We don't have investors or a board telling us what to do has its advantages and disadvantages, but we were always raised or focused on performance because we had to. That's how we had to make money to reinvest in the company, et cetera. Whereas, mm-hmm. to be honest with you, I thought that was super obvious, but our, our some of our competitors don't do that, and it's proven from our head-to-heads with them. And then um, the second thing, um, yeah, the only constant is change. There's There's been so many other departments that we have to think about building and then departments that branch off of those departments. and just non-traditional departments that we've created for our industry specifically. It's, it's really exciting, but um, yeah, that's what I've learned. I expect things to change every single year. Uh-huh. And um, at this point I embrace it because you right. know, it's, it's exciting. So how many people on your leadership team? The executive team? Um, well, the executive team is four of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have, 
uh, about, I would say, five other sort of, I guess, lieutenants from there, if mm-hmm. you would call them, like senior VPs. Mm-hmm. And then they have managers and team leads and team captains. Mm-hmm. From there. Mm-hmm. So how often do you meet with the four of you plus the your lieutenants, your VPs? The four of us, um, so before the pandemic, uh, we used to all meet once a year or twice a year uh, uh-huh. in person. Uh-huh. Again, we're we're a remote team, so any in-person meeting that we have is not we we don't treat it honestly. The feeling is not oh my gosh, like thank God I get to finally talk to you in person. It's more of a bonus. It's uh-huh. like this is even better. Um, so currently. We have, we always meet virtually. So currently, with our executive team, we meet once a month and talk about different things. We meet once a week individually um, with with all the leads, and then uh, with my lieutenants, it's it's on me. I'm actually the president and COO, so I right. I, I meet with them once a week at least. Individually, individually. Uh huh. So how often do you meet as a group? Um, as not, a group, not, not not necessarily face to face. But just yeah. as a group meeting, with the executives once a month, with the uh, lieutenants, including the executives once a quarter. And how long is that meeting for the quarter? The quarter is uh, an hour. You mentioned something about simplify. One of the things that I've discovered, and and that that works really well, uh, is is we talk to teams about. Hitting the ceiling when they hit the ceiling. Are you familiar with the hitting the ceiling? Mm-hmm. Yes. And and we 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 share with people that there are really five things that that we want people to learn how to do. One is when you're hitting the ceiling is always simplify, simplify, simplify. Dumb it down. Don't make it complicated. Simplify <laughs> it. And then once you simplify it, then delegate it. Find somebody who who has already done it. Find the who. Don't spend your time trying to figure out how. Find the who. So delegate it to somebody who loves doing this kind of thing and has the ability to do it, can do it. So simplify, delegate, then predict. Be able to predict, not hope, not dream, not not wish, but predict. Get to the place where you can predict what's going to happen when you've simplified it and you've delegated it. Predict, and then once it works, then systemize it. Turn it into a system. And with the system, then create the structure that will support that. Mm-hmm. So that's something that, that now is that is that a uh, is that something you've uh, learned how to do or have another way of dealing with it? Yeah, no, <clears throat> absolutely. So um, system, especially the last part, um, creating systems after you figured something out like that, uh-huh. because yeah, it's happened countless times where you really just need to. I mean, we're a technology company at the end of the day. We want to automate everything possible, right? right. Um, but within within our you know within our abilities for sure. Yeah, it's very important to systemize everything, everything you can. And well, when you have a system, once you have the system, do you have to change your structure to incorporate that in? No, not necessarily. Sometimes, uh, mm-hmm. not. A hundred percent of the time, though, um, I would say that it just depends on what you're trying to systemize, whether it's big or small or whatever. Well, let's uh, let's take a break for a moment, and uh, then we're going to come back, and, and I want to talk about how you're planning, where you want to go, and and how you're going to get there. Does that make sense? Sounds great. We'll be right back. 
Well, during the past 25 years, Wilt has built resume. He's built a lot of ideas. He certainly has built two companies and was an executive at four others. So technically, I guess he won because meaning the companies grew, which at that time was the only measure of success that we all knew. Today, Will realizes that business and humanity must coexist, which is why he's dedicated the second half of his life to helping deploy this unique entrepreneurial operating system that we talk about all the time on the show. That every employee in the organization loves the life they're living. Will helps leaders use the mantra, do what they love with people they love, making a significant contribution while being compensated appropriately. So they have plenty of time for their family and other passions. It's not just all about work. It's about living a balanced life. And if that sounds appealing to you, you might want to check out eosworldwide.com slash will.chris, C-R-I-S-T. You owe it to yourself to check it out, eosworldwide.com forward slash will.chris. And with that, the man who's done so much and has so much more to give, Will Chris. Oh, welcome back. Now, so Julio, talk to us about uh, about where you're going. How are you going to get there? Well, um, we've had a tremendous growth in the last couple of years, um, 2020 and in 2021. So we want to continue that. So uh, our real goal, like just to simplify it, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. based on the topic we've been talking about, is really to just um, be the one-stop shop for online publishers. So initially, we kind of take the keys to everything and can help you do it. If you want to do it in-house, essentially we have uh, systems in place and dashboards in place that just you can't find anywhere else. So we want to empower ad monetized publishers. So ad monetized websites, that's our big sort of overarching goal. And we're a lot more focused on the enterprise side of things where sort of our competitors are like, we'll take everything we can get. Mm-hmm. Um, we're a little bit more um, of the high enterprise, high earning publishers. And so we've kind of generated content and our YouTube videos and social media all around that. So empowering ad monetized publishers, that's where we want to go. Ah, So who are your ideal clients then? Our ideal clients are um, websites that allow ads on their sites. So we're not talking e-commerce. We're not talking, you know, uh, sites that like that don't allow ads on their site, uh, display ads or video ads that are making at least twenty thousand dollars in ad revenue. So twenty thousand dollars from AdSense um, on the enterprise level, it's like fifty to a hundred thousand dollars, and who want to really centralize all of their advertising revenue, because you're talking about, you know, you're dealing with 10 different advertising networks. They don't speak to each other. They don't talk to each other. There's a very, very huge kind of convenience to put in, putting it all in one system. And that's what we do for them. And if they want us to manage it, great. If not, they can just use a system just like you would use a Salesforce or a HubSpot or something like that. Mm-hmm. Great. What what are the things that separate you from your competition? What are three or four things that you guys do that they don't do? Uh, two things, performance and transparency. I touched on performance before, and uh, yeah, you, it sounds like it sounds, but we've gone head-to-head with all of our competitors and come out on top. And the slight times that we haven't, 
we are, it's kind of like all hands on deck. That is, we are laser focused on performance and we want every single piece of feedback on why we didn't win this performance. We've won over 95, sorry, 96% of our split tests against all of our competitors. And the 4% that we haven't have, has just made us learn more. And transparency, um, we're not here to take, to hide anything, unfortunately. So a lot of our competitors, you have to go on their systems and their advertising networks and their relationships. Um, we have never done that, nor will we ever do that. It's You can link your existing ad network relationships or your existing Google accounts into our system and you can work in that way. Um, so performance and transparency in a nutshell is what di differentiates us. Hmm. Very good. Very good. Now, when when you think about where you want to go, do you do you have a big target out there, like a 10-year target or something like that, or you're going to? Yeah, we've got like a big, hairy, audacious goals and, and things like that, 10-year targets. Are, the, the targets, the five 10-year targets are revenue-driven. Uh, uh -huh. The big sort of hairy, audacious goals include uh, some of that and sort of a dream 1,000 kind of client list that we want to hit as well hmm. so now is, is that broken down so that you're making progress each year toward that yes actually it's broken down by ge geography uh -huh. in some of our fastest growing markets. what's happened is we've grown really really fast in, in the last few years in certain markets so we've had to break down sort of our dream client list into localized country um country dream goals, essentially dream clients. And as you can probably imagine, uh, clients are quite, quite different in certain geos. So you have to take that into account when doing that as well. Yeah, yeah. So so what is it that, that you enjoy doing the most? <clears throat> Honestly, I enjoy speaking to my very, very smart people who have developed into into incredible leaders themselves and every every year every quarter every month every day they get better and better my favorite part of my day is just talking strategy with them seeing how they've developed hearing their incredible you know kaizen opportunities that they bring to us mm -hmm. and executing it with them and eventually seeing them do it without me and then that kind of leaves um, time for us to talk about even higher level strategies and and just that that's my favorite part that's what gets me out of bed in the morning whether it's with my partner my business partners or with sort of like the lieutenants i mentioned before it's it's my favorite part of any day so you're spending a lot of your time doing what you love doing absolutely yeah absolutely and and i i would imagine you're doing it with people that you love yes i, I truly care about every it's that type of culture for sure now, now help me help me how do you see what you're doing what's the benefit to the world for what you're doing um to put it bluntly it's how the internet runs mm -hmm. um if you're wondering why everything that you're reading is free it's because of advertisement you gotta pay writers and hosting and video editors everything because of advertising unless you want to pay for a subscription that's how it runs so you know ads sometimes gets a bad rap especially you know 
you know, people use ad block or whatever. It's just, it's just how the world is, but genuinely, um, just to put it bluntly, that's how it fuels the salaries and the, um, the, the resources that writers and video editors and everything needs to make quality content in, mm -hmm. in any category, whether that's scuba diving to just top 10 best beaches in the world kind of articles, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I find I find increasingly when when my wife and I are talking or when we're watching a television show, if a question comes up, it's it's simply pop it into uh, Google or DuckDuckGo or something like that, and 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 that's all free, right? Exactly. And, and and what I'm hearing you is this: what you're helping do is is helping to provide the resources for all of that information being able to be shared with the world. Correct. Yeah. Well put, Chris. And, and, and while, while that might be a, kind of a, a nice diversion for me, a nice plus, for people in third world countries, this rising billion that uh, uh, you know, Peter Diamandis talks about, this new rising billion people who are coming online right now. Uh, this is this is not just a, a, a an interesting add-on. This is life for them. This is uh, th this is the way that they they can now financially connect to places to to put money in or to get a micro loan. Uh, it, it's a way of getting healthcare in ways that they never had before. It sounds to me like there's a way of thinking about what you're doing as supplying information to vast numbers of people around the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the only thing I would add to, to the list that you just nailed it would be uh, creating entrepreneurs, too, oh, especially absolutely. In, in the third world countries that you just mentioned. That That's absolutely a huge opportunity. There's just so much access to information that is fed by the resources that advertising provides that just create entrepreneurs. And, and that's amazing. Well, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, uh, looking here, uh, Gina Wickman started uh, EOS uh, almost 23 years ago now uh, with and, and published Traction, which you've probably read. And, yes. and, and then, then when he, when he, you know, when he put a bow on EOS and passed it on to, to other people, uh, not that he's left, but he—he's not—he's not. That's not his daily burden right now, as you'll put it. it. It's come off of his show, but now he is—he's put out a a project called Entrepreneurial Leap, and and this is where he talks to young entrepreneurs and their parents and their advisors and helps them to understand not everybody is an entrepreneur, and and for those who are. Chances are you didn't really work out well in school because mm -hmm. it didn't really feed your soul. And so he's talking about how to pick up on making that path into, into being a great entrepreneur. And that's so interesting to hear about, about what that means in, in all of these third world countries to helping them to become, have access to this enormous amount of information and an enormous number of resources that they can use to to provide value for people around them and ultimately for people around the world. Well, yeah, I totally agree. That's wonderful. Well, then the 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 uh, 
I would assume that you're being compensated appropriately. Oh, yes. Right. And then now the last part of what what this is, what we call the EOS life, right? Only doing what you love doing with people you love, knowing that you're making a great contribution, seeing that seeing that connection, being compensated appropriately, and finally having plenty of time for your other passions. Are you doing that? Absolutely. What are your uh, other passions? I'm a, well, traveling, obviously. Something that um, I take full advantage of this remote life. I, yeah. I never stay more than a few months somewhere just because that's how I choose to live. It, it really, it, I love changing spots and different, seeing different countries and things like that. And at this point, I've been doing it for almost a decade. So I've got my spots that um, I keep coming back to. So where are and you third, today? Where are you right now? <laughs> today, I've, only, I've this is my second week in uh, Puerto Rico. I'm ah. just checking it out. Uh, before this, I was in Mexico. Before that, I was in Egypt. Before that, I was in Greece. Um, just in the last few months. So, um, yeah, I take a full advantage of that. Now, let me ask you a tough question. Can I do that? Please do. Out of your 200 people, what percentage of those 200 people right now are doing only what they love doing with people they love? knowing the great contribution they are making to the company and through that to the world, being compensated appropriately, and not only having, but taking plenty of time for their other passions. What percentage of those 200 people are actually living that life right now? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I would assume quite a bit of them, but like you've just encouraged me to ask that in our next uh, sort of questionnaire. Uh, we always take a pulse of how our, our, our people are feeling uh, monthly, um, always answer them via video and in what they are, their suggestions and opportunities. We always say that it's impossible for the four of us at the top to come up with every good idea in the company. So we always encourage ideas and things like that, but I don't know the answer to that question. I would assume that it's the majority. Well, but I don't talk to everybody. Let I'll me challenge it, so. you. Let me give you a challenge. Mm -hmm. All right. And, yeah. and let me preface it before then for a moment. EOS, there, there are 500 right now, soon to be 600, and then on to 700 implementers like me around the world. And we are predicting, based upon our experience in the past 23 years, we're predicting that by 2030, we will have implemented EOS in 100,000 companies, right? Now, not every company is 200 like you. I'm, I'm estimating that the average is 50 employees in every one of those 100,000 companies. That's mm -hmm. 5 million people. Now, if, if, Every one of those companies that we implement EOS in does what I'm going to ask you about, which is to make part of their 10-year or five-year focus or their three-year picture the expectation, the prediction that 100% of their people will be living the EOS life or have a path toward it. 
that's 5 million people that we will have an enormous impact on, not even counting their families. And when those 5 million people are doing only what they love doing with people that they love because of the culture, that they know the purpose that they are exercising through the company and to the world, they're being compensated appropriately, which probably means that they don't have to have a second job to put food on the table, right? And, and, and they are actually taking significant time to do their other passions, which includes living with their family and doing things like that. Would that be something that would be valuable to you as a company to have that as a target? Yeah, of course. Absolutely. And we, we always try to think of different questions to ask every month in our questionnaires to our people. And I think that is uh, a lot of fuel, a lot of content that we can use. Well, if, if you will, if you will give me an address where I can get this book to you <laughs> before you leave Puerto Rico, I'll send you a copy <laughs> of this. And we can talk about that because there's a set of questions in here and some tools for people to actually begin thinking about how to do that. But Excellent. I, I mean, when we think about the great resignation and, you know, the great shuffle, uh, to me, that means that 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 uh, businesses, in order to attract and recruit or retain or motivate all these people, that they really need to be paying attention and asking these questions about what do you love doing? Right. What do you love yes. doing? Uh uh, and 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 are you the kind of people that we can love in here? Are you do you fit our culture? Those kind of questions can make a huge difference. And in fact, if they're not being asked, I think there's going to be a lot of companies that are going to be hurting mightily in terms of lack of employees. Yeah, even just asking people just appreciate um, that you're paying attention to that kind of stuff. Really. Yeah. Um, I'd love a copy of that book. And Will, I'd love to ask you a question. Sure. In our reviews, one thing that we do ask him, and I'll, I'll tell you what we ask, and I'll ask you what you think of the purpose, because the purpose is really important. So we ask our people what their short-term uh, and long-term personal mm -hmm. and uh, sort of business goals are. The business for promotion track personal, and the purpose of asking the personal um, long-term and short-term goals is to see if some way somehow we can align comp we can incentivize them because it's not just all about money we can incentivize them in order for them to you know satisfy their personal and, and professional goals long term and short term um, it seems to be in the ballpark of what you're talking about and i know it's not exactly but what are your thoughts on that the purpose has to be very clear because if you don't communicate the purpose i think they just yeah, he's just asking me for the sake of asking. He's got to do this because that's what he's been told to do. But uh, going back to the culture, we want to live this kind of stuff. So, what are your what are your thoughts with that? Well, I I really think that it's important and valuable to regularly evaluate people and how they're fitting with the culture. Number one, it it helps managers to know, but it also gives feedback to people so that they can learn things that they don't know about, all right? We, we uh, every year, 
we talked to you know in a, in our our two day annual with our leadership teams. We use the Johari window. You ever heard of the Johari window? Sounds familiar. Well, Joe and Harry put it together, but you know they were social psychologists. And and in the upper left hand corner is is all the things that you know about yourself and I know about you. Right. That's a pretty pla a place of transparency. In, in the right hand upper upper right hand corner are the things that you know about yourself, but I don't know about yourself. And, and a lot of that you were sharing with me today. I was learning more and more about monetize more and about you. You're sharing with me, right? So there's more of that information in that upper left-hand corner where you know and I know. Another piece in the lower left-hand corner are things that I know about you that you don't. Mm -hmm. That's where we build trust, right? Right. right. That's a place where we share things that I know because of being with you or, or seeing you. And, and we have a little exercise called the one thing. And, and what we do with the leadership team is, is, is after a couple of other exercises, then we have this one thing. What is the one thing that I would like you to start doing or stop doing in the next year for the good of the organization. And when we can Excellent. use that to build, then we're really strengthening that upper left-hand corner. We're beginning to build trust. And if you've ever read, if you've ever, ever read Lencioni, that trust is the basis of all of what we do. If we don't have trust, we're not gonna have any conflict. Now, conflict doesn't mean throwing things at each other. It means having difference of opinion. It means being willing to share right, right. our unique experience and not feel like we have to conform what we say to what somebody else's expectations. So if we don't have trust, we're not gonna have conflict. And we don't have conflict, we're not gonna get commitment, right? That, 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 right, absolutely. You, know, you have a lot of smiling people who see the world differently when you come down to making a decision, they're just going to smile and say, sure, right, of course, anything, whatever you say, boss. But right. it's not going to happen because there's no accountability. It's all evaded. It's all ambiguous about what's going to happen. And without accountability, the results that you get are because of huge amounts of time and effort and money that you really didn't have to do. It all began mm -hmm. with that trust at the bottom. So absolutely helping people to see what they don't see and that's what that regular evaluation of 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 several things one is is how are you doing it with our culture how are you fitting our core values and having a conversation about that on a regular basis and we would we would expect that people would have those conversations with every one of their direct reports every quarter every 90 days get on a zoom call and have that conversation about how you're doing with core values. And, and then another piece is, how are you doing in your job? Do you still, is this still something that you love doing? And how are you doing? Are you, you know, the expectations that you have and that, that you know I have, are we both meeting those expectations? How are we doing? And we call it GWC. Do you get the job? Do you want to do it? You're bouncing out of bed. And how's your capacity for it? You have a, the God-given skill set to do it and the experience. 
And, and so those are two of the things that we, we talk about with our direct reports every 90 days. And that, that goes to building that culture even more. Excellent. Thank you for that. Yeah. And, and, and of course, that means that your managers really do become leaders and managers. And we train them how to do that. That's called how you get accountability. You get accountability by having great leadership skills and great management skills. And the accountability just comes. Yeah, accountability is huge. Well, listen, uh, 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 let's find a time to do some more talking. And, and uh, 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 when we get off here, I'll get your address and... Uh, and we'll we'll talk about I mean we'll get you this book. That sounds great. Thanks, Will. Super. All right. So if somebody wanted to, you know, we came across some entrepreneur, uh, you know, entre enterprise company that said, "Hey, that sounds like somebody I want to work with." How would they get in touch with you? It's just Julio J U L I O at monetizemore.com. Excellent. Thanks a lot, Julio, for uh, taking the time to be with us. And uh, even from Puerto Rico, huh? <laughs> yeah, you'll see me somewhere else next time you talk, probably. But yeah. All right. All right. Well, that's just one more example of how businesses in this new, sh this great shift that we're experiencing. Here's an example of businesses that are thriving. Listening to the Pilgrim on the 405 with Will Christ. 